did a uh, did a revival. Did the music for the revival when we were at the other church down the street. Not the other church, the other church building. I believe it's always been the same church, just two different buildings. We finally got back together under the same roof. Amen. <clears throat> but boy, I love that song, brother. Thank you for that. When Jesus comes again, are you are you happy? I, I hear some little ditty online every once. I'm a happy, 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 happy man. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And, and the thought of his return, him coming back. Amen. It puts a smile on my face. It makes makes me happy. Uh, I heard a Christian comedian. Uh, well, I'll just leave that. One. He 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 gave uh, three three reasons for men to never be unhappy and how if they'll get their mind right, their heart right, and their life right, then they'll never be unhappy. And of course, part of that is always saying yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. I thought I saw Paul lean over and just say yes, (laughs) ma'am. Uh. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, and the title of my message this morning is The Happy Man. And uh, I believe, you know, where the Bible starts out, uh, it it starts this, I believe, the same way it starts Jesus' Sermon on the Mount with the word blessed. Blessed. And I looked that word up in the Hebrew and in the Greek, and uh, both of those words can be translated into the English word, not only blessed, but happy. And where it says in verse 1, happy, blessed is the man, it, you could actually in place of blessed put the word happy. Happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be as a tree planted by the waters of the rivers of life, but that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do love you. We thank you so much for your love and your mercy, God. We thank you uh, for the message that we already heard in song and and, uh, speaking of the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, we are excited about that thought. It does make us happy to know that just as sure as you came the first time, God, you're coming back. And, and you're coming not for everybody. We know that. We understand that. It says you go into prepare place. And you'll come again and receive them unto yourself that are prepared. You go to prepare a place for a prepared people. Help us, God to be prepared for your return. And we'll give you and you alone the praise and the glory for who you are and what you do. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. 
Amen. So happy, 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 happy. Uh, the happy man uh, comes before us in a, in a twofold aspect here in this psalm, and I want to I want to spend just the the most part uh, in the in the positive aspect of it. You've got the negative and you've got the positive, uh, but the but the negative actually is positive. Uh, when, when we're talking about the negative character of the person that is writing this or, or the person that is writing this is writing this about, uh, I want you to notice three different things that he won't do. You see, that's why it's negative. It's kind of like saying, uh, I don't want to go there. Or, I want to don't go there. Speaking of hell, certainly nobody wants to go to hell, but how bad do you not want to go? Do you just not want to go to hell or do you want to not go? See, that is a positive aspect of a negative statement. I don't want to go there, but I want to not go there. And that's true about the negative character in this psalm. You look at what it says in, in verse 1. And it says, blessed is the man that walketh not. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. See, that is a negative, but you can look at it as a positive. And if you want to be happy, my friend, I want you to realize that there are some things that you have to do, and there are some things that you have to not do, that you want to don't do. And one of those things is that you want to don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, what does that mean? To not walk in the counsel. What is the counsel? Well, where is it that you go? Do you go to friends? Do you go to neighbors? Do you go to you know people that you trust? Mom, dad, family? Do you go to Christians for your counsel? for your leadership, for your insight, for your understanding of how it is that you should live your life, the places you should go, the things that you should do, the things that you shouldn't do, the people you should date if you're young and you're, you know, you're in your teens and 20s and you're not yet married and you're looking for the right person, the right man or the right woman to be the, the love of your life and to spend the rest of your life with. Do you look to the world to measure the standard of the person that you're wanting to spend the rest of your life with? Well, the Bible says that we shouldn't walk, we shouldn't live. And that walk is literally the lifestyle. We should not live a lifestyle after the counsel and the likeness of the ungodly world around us. This godless system. Now, if you're getting your information from television. Well, I, I should clarify that. There is, listen, television itself is not a bad thing, right? It's not. It's just used for bad things. And certainly you can do that with television, with movies. You can do that with TV shows, sitcoms, and all of those things. You can do that with music and the things that you listen to over the radio in your car. Uh, those things aren't bad in themselves, but when they're used for bad, evil purposes. So if you're going to those things to try to find out, you know, your world view, 
How is it that I should live my life and view the things that are going on around me? Certainly, if we're going to be happy, if we're going to be blessed by God, my friend, I want you to realize something. There is no more happiness, no greater happiness than to be blessed by God. And if we want to be blessed by God, then we've got to find out what it is that's God's purpose for our life. We don't want to walk in the in the counsel of the ungodly, but we want to walk in the counsel of God. And the only way that we can do that to get our direction and then to apply it is by studying the Word of God and hiding it in our hearts that we might not sin against God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. I want to be happy. I want to be blessed by God in my life. And I realize that the only people that are blessed by God are the people that are living their lives or actually laying down their lives for the glory and honor of God. Well, it goes on to say, Blessed is the man that not only walketh in, uh, not in the counsel of the ungodly, but nor does he stand in the way of sinners. So you've got people who walk and people who stand. You don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly and you don't stand in the way. And now what, what is the way? You don't want to stand in the way with or of sinners. Of course, the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man, to man, and the end thereof are the ways of destruction, death. There is a way, a way. I understand the Bible also says that straight is the gate and narrow is the way, the way. So it's really standing in the place that sinners stand and living the life the way they live their life. We, we also really understand that, that the Apostle Peter is a prime example of this. When he told the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, Lord, I, I love you more than, than everybody else does. I, I don't know about these other guys, but I made out of better stuff than they are. And uh, we'll, we'll be getting into that uh, when we look at the positive characteristics of the person that is happy, and, and I don't want to don't want to take that too far, but but Peter thought a little more highly of himself than he should have thought. And he said, "I made out of better stuff, and when everybody else lets you down, I'll be there. I'll go to the mat with you. I'll I'll die with you, Lord." And we find that. The Lord Jesus Christ answers him and says, Oh no, Peter, listen, I, I understand that you, you really mean that from your heart. You believe that with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. But the truth is, and by the way, God knows the truth. We, we can tell God, you know, that Lord, we're, we're not, we're not getting our counsel from the world and we're not, we're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly and we're, we're not standing in the way of sinners, but God knows, God sees, God understands. Not what we say, but what we do. God already knew not only Peter's heart. Peter's heart was, was pure. He meant what he said. But he didn't have the power without the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of him to be able to accomplish what it was that he said. And Jesus says, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. 
May I say that we are converted today immediately when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of Peter was saved. He had faith in Christ, but he was not converted by the power of the Holy Spirit coming to take up residence on the inside of it. And when he was attacked by the devil, he folded like a wet noodle. He ran from fire to fire, camp to camp. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the way of sinners, and ultimately sitting in the seat of the scornful. But it says that he didn't stand, the person of this psalm does not stand in the way of sinners. And then, of course, the next part of that first verse, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Do you see the progressive nature of sin in our lives? It, it, it just it just takes a little little bit. Here a little, there a little. We, uh, we go to somebody and we get advice from them. And we listen to that advice. We get advice from somebody else. One of them is ungodly. One of them is godly. And for some reason, we accept the counsel of the world. And when we accept the counsel of the world, and we start walking in that counsel, then all of a sudden we realize that we're standing in the way of the sinner's. We're doing the same thing, living the same life. We look like, sound like, talk like, walk like, smell like the people that we have gained our information and are copying with our lifestyle. And once we have realized that we walk in the counsel of the ungodly and we're standing in the ways of sinners, all of a sudden we too find ourselves seated in the seat of the scornful. We look down our noses at other people that are trying to walk in the counsel of the godly and who are standing in the way of the holy and the righteous. I've actually had people in church back when I was, before I was pastoring or even before I was a chaplain at the prison come to to me and my wife and say, why don't you let your kids do what our kids do? I was like stunned. I'm sorry, I'm not keeping up with what your kids do. I'm surprised that you are with mine. And what they were saying was, well, my my daughter, my son's going to the prom. You won't let your son or daughter go to the prom. Well, I understand that 80% of children in high school lose their virginity at the prom. Why would I want my child to partake in that? I didn't say that to them. But I understand where that's coming from. Once we as God's people start caving in our commitment to the Lord and our standards, not our standards, but His standards. Then when we see other people living up or striving to live up to those standards, then all of a sudden we become guilty and we feel the pressure and we become scornful in our attitudes, if not our lips, towards those people. Blessed is the man, happy is the man, that is not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of the sinners, and does not wind up sitting in the seat of the scornful, who begin to walk in the counsel and of the ungodly. It's, it's the danger, you understand, of where that leads. One step, progressive step. It's the opposite, actually, of walking in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And walking in the Spirit is simply one step reiterated. 
We take a step looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we take another step looking unto Jesus. And one step reiterated after another looking unto Jesus, we wind up realizing that we are walking in the Spirit rather than in the counsel of the ungodly. Everybody tells you you should walk in the Spirit, but they don't really tell you how. My friend, it is as simple as that. Being God conscious, being aware that you have an unseen passenger living on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God. God lives in me. God lives in you. If you are a Christian, he that has not the Spirit of God, the Bible says, is none of his. But he that hath the Spirit of God should be all. Of his, But the truth is, is that we divide that ground. We give part of it to the flesh and part of it to the God. Holy Spirit is living on the inside of me, but I quench the Spirit. I hold Him down. Get in the hole. Just stop for a minute so I can do what I want to do. And then we'll let Him out when we need Him. And I'm just saying that's a miserable lifestyle. That has got to be miserable. That's not happy. That's not joyful. That's not blessed. The most miserable person on the face of the earth is not a lost person. The most miserable person on the face of the earth is a Christian, or should I say a saved person. There is a difference, by the way, between a saved person and a Christian. Did you know that? A a, a saved person is somebody who has bent the knee, bowed the head, surrendered their hearts, their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they are truly saved, and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of them. But a Christian is somebody who is walking like Christ. Christ is the word Christ is anointed one. Yen is a little. So a Christian is a little anointed one who is striving to imitate or surrender their life to the Lordship of Christ, living on the inside of them by the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit of God is conforming you to the image of Christ. Other people look at you, they don't see you, they see Him. So you're either saved or you're saved and Christian. But I'm just saying there are saved people who are not living the Christian life and they're miserable because they're not happy. And the most miserable person is a Christian that's not living the life that God has called them to live. Why? Because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every child that comes into the world. So you want to be happy. I'm sure you do. I know you do. I believe with all of my heart, everybody in the, under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or out in cyberspace somewhere, everybody listening to this message has a desire to be happy and to be blessed by God. But sometimes they're, they're sitting in pews and in churches where they're, they're giving instructions, but they're not giving instructions of really what it takes to be happy. To be blessed, to be joyful. Some people say, well, joyful is different than happy because joyful is in spite of your environment, in spite of the things that are going on in your home, in your family, in your life. Well, yeah, that's true. You can be joyful no matter what the circumstances are. But I believe I can also be happy. I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, Paul said, to therewith be content. I'm happy with it. I'm content. I'm joyful. I'm blessed. 
Do, do you realize? I, I know everybody knows the verse. For we know that all things work together for good. To who? To those that love Him. Love Him. To know Him is to love Him. To love Him is to obey Him. Oh, wait a minute. All things do not work together for good to those who do not love Him. And love is not an emotion. It's not that you don't feel love for Jesus. You can feel love for Jesus. I really love Him. Because love is not what you say, but love is what you do. For God so loved the world that He gave. And you see, that's what God expects from us. If we so love God, then we should give. And if we're given, then of course we're going to be blessed. In spite of the circumstances, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Now, if God has called me into the family of God and I'm surrendering and submitting my life and walking in the Spirit and not walking in the flesh, not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful, then no matter what goes on in my life, whether most people look at it as good or bad, I'm blessed. I'm satisfied. I'm happy with my lot in life. Because I know God is on His throne. I know He's in control. I know that I can't do any, anything better than what I'm doing than living my life for God. Well, I could strive to make more money to make my wife and my children happy and to buy a bigger house and to get more stuff. Listen, you'll be miserable. You'll be miserable doing those things outside of the will of God. Now, if you're in the will of God, listen, things aren't bad. I'm not, I'm not complaining about things. I like things. I like heaters. <laughs> I don't like being cold. I like food. I like clothes. Decent clothes. Nice clothes. I like a ride that I can depend on. But the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be added Unto you. And you see, when we're talking about the man in Psalms 1, the way of the righteous, we're talking about a righteous man in all of his ways, striving to be faithful and holy and righteous before the eyes of God, is satisfied with whatever it is that the Lord says is your lot in life. And listen, I can put forth the effort to do better, but I wind up doing worse when I strive outside of. The will of God. Well, we see the negative. He does not walk in the count. He does not stand. He does not sit. But then you see the positive aspects of this character. And you look at verse 2. And it says this. You don't do all these things, but these are things that you should do. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. You see that delight, that word delight there, but his delight, where is your delight? Now, listen, I, I delight in ice cream. I delight in a lot of stuff. I, I'm a, I'm a sweetaholic. I love cakes. I love candy. I love ice cream. And anytime they show up in my life, whoo, until after I eat them and then I'm depressed. <laughs> then I have to do extra work to try to get rid of that. But boy, is it good when I'm eating it. Well, let me ask you something. Is there anything that you delight in this world more 
then you delight in the Word of God. See, that doesn't say that it's a delight. Look at verse 2 again. But His delight is in the law. His delight. His delight. As though it was the only delight. I delight in my wife. I delight in, in preaching the God. I love what God has called me to do. I wouldn't trade this to be the King of England. I believe this is the most prestigious, wonderful purpose that God could allow any man to have in this life. My friend, I want you to realize something. If I'm not a preacher tomorrow, I will still delight in the Word of God and in His law. I will still apply it to my home and to my feet and to my family. Some people don't mind applying it to themselves, but they don't want to apply it to those that are around them. We see families like that. We see families that moms and dads today would rather be their children's friend than their parent. Instead of holding their feet to the fire and loving them to the Lord, they allowed the children to get swallowed up in the things of the flesh and the things of the world. But our delight when it is in the law of the Lord, it says in that law doth he meditate day and night. You see that meditation? Where do you spend your mind? Where you spend your mind is more important than where you spend your money. Where you spend your mind is more important than where you spend your time. Of course, if you're spending your mind there, you're going to be spending your money and your time. Once God has your heart, and when we're talking about, you know, where you delight in the law of the Lord and you meditate. That is your focus. Your focus. Day and night. Well, in the morning when I wake up, I read a couple of verses. I come home from work after a long day's work. I spend a few minutes in the evening before I go to bed, right before I turn out the light. Blow the smoke of the day in the face of the Lord and read a couple of verses. Listen. Do you not hide the Word of God in your heart that you might not sin against Him? Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Memorizing the Word of God that you can focus and think on it throughout the day even when you don't have a little pocket Gideon Bible to carry around with you. Whip it out every once in a while and just read a couple of verses. But you see, we should meditate on the Word of God. How does this apply to my life? What I'm seeing and where I'm going and what I'm doing and how I'm working. Let all things be done unto the Lord. Do you think about things like that through your day? Or do you never really think about the Word of God or the God of the Word until it's time to go to church or time not to go to church? You're not going to be joyful without your delight being in the law of God. But not only is his positive character a delight in the law of God, but it's it's joyful and it's thoughtful. You look again at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate, think on, study, not just read, but hide that word of God in your heart. And thirdly, it's it's hopeful. It goes on to say in verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of the water that bringeth forth his fruit. Now may I say that any time somebody has planted a tree by the water, 
doesn't matter what the rest of the forest is doing. They're going to dry up and not give forth fruit. They're not going to they're not going to have green leaves. Why? Because they're not being watered. But when you have a when you have a plant or a tree that you have planted and you're watering it or have planted it by a stream or by a source of water, then you have hope of that thing producing what it is that brings joy in your life. Of course, we realize that what the Word of God says in verse 3, and it says, and he shall be like a tree. So it's not, it's not a plant. We're talking about us. We're talking about people. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. A- am I being watered by the Word of God in such a way that I am hopeful in tomorrow? Well, we have our hope. It's kind of like the very first part of this. Where is it that, uh, that we, we place our, our trust and our counsel? We get our counsel from the world or from from God, from the Word of God. Same thing about this. Am I being watered by the Word of God or am I being watered by the things of the flesh and the things of the world around me? It says, and he shall be like a tree planted in the rivers of the water and that bringeth forth fruit in his season. What kind of fruit? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Well, I make a decent living. I take care of my family. I love my wife and my children. And I as a husband, I as a father, am bearing the fruit of being a husband and being a father. I'm being a, a, a productive man in this world. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Well, again, that is the worldly aspect of what this is talking about as opposed to the spiritual aspect. You see, if we are men, and I'm talking to the ladies as well, and we are situated by the saturation of the Word of God, the water of the Word of God, then not only the men are going to be the men that they're supposed to be in bringing home the bacon and taking care of their homes and families, but they're going to be the high priest of the home and family when it comes to the spiritual aspect of their life. And they're going to take charge and take control and be the leader in their home, not only physically, mentally, financially, worldly, but also spiritually. And they're going to take the lead in that position of making sure that not only their wives, but their children, their loved ones, are being faithful to God. And if they're not, and you can't do anything about it, at least what you are doing is trying to be an example to them. And we have hope. You see, that is what brings hope in our life. You have people in your life that don't know the Lord, and you're not being the example to them that we're supposed to be, then we don't have a lot of hope that they're ever going to change if we don't change. But certainly, if I'm doing the things that this is saying, that I'm not walking in that council, I'm not standing in that way, I'm not sitting in that seat, I am living a life that is joyful. My delight is in the Word of God. I am thoughtful about the Word of God by meditating on it, not just reading a verse here or a verse there from time to time when I have the opportunity or going and listen to a preacher preach a message or a Sunday school teacher teacher teach a lesson. But I literally am pouring my heart and my mind and my soul out into the Word of God. That the Word of God, as I study it, it studies me. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword dividing asunder both soul and spirit. And is a discerner 
of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Word of God is a discerner. It thinks. It reads you as you read it. And as you pour it into your mind, and pour yourself into its pages, it pours itself into your heart and changes you from who we used to be to who God would have us to be. Well, it's not only joyful, thoughtful, and hopeful, but ultimately fruitful and vigorous and successful. I realize that I'm preaching a, an hour and a half sermon in 30 minutes and I'm not going to make it. So I'm going to cluster these together. You look at the last parts of this. Uh, verse 3, and he shall be like a, plant, a tree planted by the river of water and that bringeth forth fruit in his season. And we'll, we'll bear the fruit. What is the fruit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Certainly I want to bear fruit and bring in the sheaves. I want to win people to the Lord. But that's God's business. God can use me for that if I will do all of these other things and have them in place in my life. And one of the things that happened in my life from all of that is that the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of me, conforming me to the image and likeness of Christ. And the image and likeness of Christ is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Can other people look in you? Can your children look in you and see love, joy, peace, long-suffering? They don't see you, they see Him. When they see that fruit in your life. And the only way that you're going to be happy with the outcome of your children, with the outcome of your life, is to be living the life that God has called you. Well, my kids grew up and they were heathens, you might be thinking. I'm sure my parents did. And in my parents' case, some of the fault, some of the blame could be laid at their doorstep. Both of my parents were alcoholics. Both of my parents took us kids, me and my three older sisters, to church on two occasions a year, Christmas and Easter. Maybe once or twice in the years that I can remember besides that, but not much. They lived a life that did not lead their children in the right direction. Only by the grace of God, only by the grace of God did I come to know the Lord. And certainly that's true about every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever come to know the Lord. It's only by grace, not by what your parents did. But what I'm saying is what my parents did, now they have to answer to God for. Both of them are gone. They've left this world. There's nothing they can do to get that back, to change the outcome. Of their lives, much less the lives that some of our the children lived in the wake of the destruction that they made of their lives. My friend, do you want to be happy? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be joyful? Certainly you do. Do you want your children to go to heaven? That's not You're not going to do that. God does that. But God can use you in their lives or He can use somebody else 30 years down the line after they've led a life of destruction similar to the life that their parents lived. They're not going to go to hell if God's purposed and willed and doing the work in their heart. But boy, they sure smell burnt by the time they get to heaven. They're not joyful. They're not happy in this life. I want you to be happy I want you to find the joy of the Lord 
in this world, not just in the next, but in this life. The only way that you can do that is by submission. You see the fruitfulness. You see the, oh, the, the vigorous. It says, and their leaves shall not wither. And, you know, the, the vigor of a plant. Uh, you can tell that it's planted by the water. And it's getting the nutrients, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the things that it needs, not by the inside of the plant down at the roots, but by the outside of the plant that you look at. And the leaves are green and they look plush and they look healthy and they look holy and they look righteous. And you can, well, listen, some people come in, they've got this big frown on their face. And you think, wow, they, they don't have no joy in the Lord. They may have joy in spite of the circumstances that is causing the look on their face. I'm not talking about that type. But I'm talking about on the inside of the heart. They love the Lord and they know Him and He's seeing them through. And you see the greenness, the health, the vigor by their holiness and their faithfulness in spite of what's going on in their lives. They are successful. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, some businesses fail. Some businesses don't. But you see, we don't measure success by the standard of the world. We measure success by the standard of God. And am I being successful? Whatever he doeth shall prosper. Remember what I said? All things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to His purpose, even if my business fails and I'm doing what this, what this psalm tells me and teaches me to do, then I'm doing all that I can to bring glory and honor to God. God allows my business to fail. Then I can praise God that my business failed. And I can realize that it failing was prosperous to me. Now that's hard to get our brain wrapped around. That's the truth. Our standard of health and wealth and prosperity is not the standard of the world. Our standard of success is God's standard. And are we being holy and righteous and being led of the Holy Spirit and living the life that God has called us to live? Well, we'll end on this last verse, verse 6, because out of all these, it does give us a contrast. Verse 5 and 6 actually says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And verse 6 says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. Oh, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Shall perish. Verse 4 says, The ungodly are not so. What do you mean not so? Well, verses 1, 2, and 3, they're not so. They do sit in the seat of the scornful, walk in the way of sinners, walk after the counsel of the ungodly. They are not blessed. They are not happy. They are not fruitful. They are not vigorous and successful in the things of God. They are not so. And God knows the difference between the two is what it says, for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but He also knows the way of the ungodly. And they shall perish. It's appointed that a man wants to die. He's not talking about dying. Every man in here is going to die. Every woman, every boy, every child, every person. It's appointed that a man wants to die. We have an appointment with God. But when it says 
the way of the ungodly or the ungodly shall perish. We're talking about the second death. We're talking about people who are religious on the outside, dead on the inside. They're not living the life. They're not happy. They're coming to church. They're not striving against their sin and living for the glory of God. And one day they'll answer for that. May God bless us in such a way that we can see the truth of Psalm 1. That we can repent, we can confess, we can turn, we can rededicate, recommit. We can be saved. Repent and turn away from sin and surrender our hearts and our lives to Christ. It's not too late. As long as a person is still breathing a breath in this life, it's not too late. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for Psalm 1 and God for the blessings, for the happiness that it shares with us and how to achieve, how, how that takes place in our life. Of course, it's the working of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it's you doing a work in our, our soul's regeneration and illumination and drawing us to yourself. All of those things take a, take a part, take a place in our salvation and even in our happiness. God, won't you move in us? in a way that will cause us to move our lives in your direction and live a life that brings glory to you. We'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.